Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to our latest Outsource podcast. It is early March. We are about to hit March Madness. Jim, are you are you feeling the madness yet? Oh, I'll probably feel it next Thursday at this time when there's a bunch of games on. Um, although I mean, I'm not, I, I've watched almost no college basketball, but I kind of know what's going on, and it seems like it's a pretty wide open tournament. I mean, out here in the West, you have UCLA, Oregon, Arizona. That might be three of the best teams in college basketball, and so it's. I mean, as a tournament, it actually has one. There's no dominant team, so you kind of could see anything happening. I think Outsports will have another one of our contests that you and I usually do <laughs> either middling to fair, depending on how lucky we get in a given year. But, nah, I mean, I don't know. Are you? I mean, it's like anything else. I could care less about college basketball in the regular season. Once a tournament starts, I'll watch enough of it to kind of get myself sated, especially the first two days when there's, what, 16 games each day? Yeah, I haven't watched any college basketball this season. I just, you know, as I, as time marches on, I get less and less interested in basketball. But I'll tell you, I already know the national championship game is going to be, but it's going to be Kentucky uh, and UCLA. That's what it's going to be. I, I, I had a, I had a vision. So a vision. Well, that'd be a good, be a good UCLA. one. Kentucky UCLA when they 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 played earlier this season. I think UCLA uh, beat Kentucky beat and. Uh, that was I, I just remember thinking after that game, why do I feel like this is the preview of the national championship game? So I'm sticking with how I felt in November. Well, you know what Sid's going to pick in his uh, pool, so there you go. I don't know who's going to win, though. Oh, yeah. What's that? You said Kentucky, you say Lake, who's going to win? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't had a vision for that yet, Jim. I, haven't, I, 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 need, to, I need to read the tea leaves. And have well, text have my me when you've had read. your vision so I know which way to bet. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, we're talking t- today about um, asking straight athletes about having gay teammates. And you wrote a piece today about University of Texas football recruits who had a, had a, a mixed reaction to that question. Yeah, uh, uh, a website that covers Texas sports, which is mainly <laughs> University of Texas sports, which for that, that site is pretty much mostly football, had, uh, I guess they have these recruiting days in Texas or meet and greets or something where all the top recruits get together for media sessions or whatever, and, the, and he asked them anonymously, 16 players, if they'd like to have a gay or tra- if they would be comfortable having a gay or trans teammate. And 53% said no, they wouldn't be comfortable. 47% said yes, which if you break down mathematically, says it was eight said no, seven said yes, and one did not answer. That's how you got 53%. But what's interesting about that, I want your take on this. I've never heard trans put into the same sentence because we don't, we don't have cases that I think of, of, of right. openly trans football players. And I'm wondering if at all – some of the numbers were skewed because for a lot of people, they've just gotten comfortable with gay people. And we know trans people, I think, are more discriminated against now than, than gay people are, given the bathroom bills and all the horrible 
misconceptions and prejudices have about transgender people. And so I'm kind of wondering if having trans in with gay for some people was one of those things that just made them uncomfortable answering. But I mean, it was only 16 people, but it was a, at least a small window. But one, I wanted to think, what do you think of the actual framing of the question first? Do you think that could have yeah, skewed at all the results? A hundred percent. You know, it's, it's, I understand that we are the LGBT community, and but but they're two different questions. They 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 really are. Mm-hmm. The sexual orientation and gender identity. There there are two different things. And one, you're asking if um, if you want a cisgender male who likes other guys in your locker room, and one, you're asking, do you want a transgender guy who is born a woman in your locker room? And and I can certainly understand, given the understanding that people have of the two issues, I, it could be com- that's t- completely different. And so I, I think it was, I think it was, they're just, they're, they, they, they made a mistake by, by including both of them. I would have been much more interested. If they were asked as two separate questions. That would, that would have been very telling about the acceptance of, of, of those two different issues. Yeah, and even then, if you think about it, it's basically 50-50. So even if you add the transgender element, which is sort of a new wrinkle, you're still getting half of these players saying they would be comfortable. And I also wonder how much of it is an age. We, we, we hear this consistently, that there are more homophobic slurs thrown around in the locker room at high school than in college than in the pros. And it mirrors even some of the informal or unscientific surveys we've seen where, you know, more of a higher percentage of pro athletes are said they'd be have no problem having a gay teammate than say college and then say high school. So you think a lot of these guys are are seniors in high school. And the reality is they probably all played with a gay teammate at some point in their football career. Um and just have no idea. But I mean, yeah, I do think that a lot of it is in how you phrase the question and ask the question, and it just seemed like this was really poorly worded and was not able did, did not able to get maybe what might be a more accurate representation. Because right now, again, I have never heard of a transgender football player. Have you? I mean, that we know of? A trans football player? Yeah, um, in Canada, there was a, there's a high school kid. Um, it was Halifax High School, maybe? It was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, there, there, there yeah we're talking about, about um, one example, though. But you said that is that is an, an element we haven't heard as much about as we've heard about gay players and stuff. So, um, I mean, it was sort of like on one hand, I applauded the effort. I, you know, I think one of the things you texted me is we would discuss whether it was appropriate to ask those questions, and I think. Yeah, I'm glad the writer asked the particular question. I kind of wish it had been framed or phrased a little better or had given more time for to sort of explore it. The problem with a lot of these things is you wind up giving, I think this guy had, this wasn't the only question. He asked probably 15, 20 questions of these guys, you know, to get a, a general consensus. Right. Which school had the best, you know, facilities? What was the be- What was the worst to visit? What was the best to visit? Blah, blah, blah. So he probably has a few seconds for each one, and it could be that, you know, in the middle of questions about which school had the best facilities, and you get hit with a question about gay and trans, and it could have been, it could have been flummoxing to some of these kids. So um, <laughs> the, th- the thing is we still don't have, um, you know, we, it's hard to get accurate survey data because no one's actually, 
you know, done a poll of, say, a scientific study of all NFL teams on this issue, for example, that would be scientifically valid. ESPN did one where they had... Well, yeah, go ahead. well ESPN did one where they had 51 players, which, which would, have, would be equivalent of a team, and they had 86% had no problem at all with having a, a gay teammate. So, Well, for me, and, and Jamel Hill talked about this uh, last week as well, um, when Amari Stoudemire, uh, you know, responded, he says jokingly that he would drive across the street before he showered with a gay teammate. Is this question even relevant? Is asking people, um, would you accept a gay teammate even relevant? Because I, I know that we keep asking it, but I don't think that athletes are even equipped to give a, a true answer. Not that they are lying, but they don't know because a lot of these guys who say no, you know, if the starting quarterback of the Texas football team in week five came out to his teammates, guess what? They're going to accept their gay teammate. And so this, this, this generic question of, are you, would you accept a gay teammate? They don't know. Like ultimately, yeah, they would because they realize very quickly that he's not trying to rape them. He's not staring at them in the shower. He's not making them uncomfortable. And a lot of these guys who say no ultimately actually would accept the gay teammate. They just don't even know they would yet. So I, I'm just not sure how pertinent this question is anymore. I think if we're going to keep asking these kinds of questions, we have to dig a little bit deeper and ask them. I think more better questions are, do you do you have a gay a gay family member? Do you have gay friends? Have you ever had somebody come out to you as gay? I think those are more insightful than in a hypothetical situation. How would you react? Well, I, I mean, I think in many ways there's there's no such thing as an invalid question in in, a, in an overall cosmic sense. I didn't say invalid. But, I just said <laughs> pertinent. Well, yeah, I, it pertinent. I mean, I I do think a lot of it is how you phrase it and. I think just asking that in in that way can lead to a false result. Um, I do think what you want is the ability to have a conversation about it. I mean, and so we sent Jeremy Brenner to the Pro Bowl, and he tried to ask about the pulse shooting as a way to get into the question, and he did a pretty good job. And he got some people like Joe Thomas of the Browns who was able to give him an extended answer that had some depth to it, which was very helpful. I mean, Tom is basically saying a lot's changed in the 10 years he's been. But, yeah, simply asking that question, would you accept it, is, is a theoretical because the reality is we have had story after story of people saying they were totally accepted, even by people who used to utter homophobic slurs and then, you know, now felt terrible about doing it. And you're right, if it's, their, if it's their teammate, all of a sudden it's their guy, it's their brother, and it becomes a lot different thing. So I do think a lot of it is in how you phrase the question uh, to get an answer that is a little more maybe at the heart of it. And I do think asking about, you know, do you have, do you know anybody LGBT in your life? Best friend, family member. Yeah. And then you could, then I always ask, have you had a teammate you've known was gay? Which most of them say no, because... Maybe they haven't been aware of it. And then maybe you can get into that question and ask it in that way where you've at least sort of established a baseline. But, yeah, I do think in this case it's one of these things where it just was like a nice idea in the sense of let me get something a little bit different. But I'm not sure it gives you an accurate result because my guess is all 15 would be fine 
depending on who the teammate was, right? If it was a guy they really liked that it was their best friend that they had no idea he was gay, they would think totally different versus, I guess, theoretically a teammate that they couldn't stand their guts, which that does exist. Well, and again, that's why I, I, I just I, I think the whole line of questioning is misguided because they just it it just is it, totally incomplete and and you're really just asking them how comfortable are you with this issue really I mean that that that's that's really what that question is asking and and unfortunately people take it and twist it around and say oh well you see uh, how homophobic the sports world is They're like they wouldn't even accept a gay teammate except I, I you know I've been arguing. Uh, with uh, a, a researcher at the University of Arizona who's, uh, who points to all these studies that show how homophobic the sports world is and how they reject gay people. And I'm like, I say, well, I'm not an academic, but I can tell you of the last 500 stories that we've run, it's 500 to zero in favor of acceptance of a gay teammate. And he's just addicted to his academic research, which shows that gay athletes are uh, feel slightly uncomfortable and they and they participate in sports a little at a, at a, at a slower rate and they hear uh, anti-gay language and I say well why don't you why don't you do some academic research to figure out if at what rate are gay athletes actually accepted when they come out and he just has no interest because he's just addicted to this idea that well because there's homophobic language and because you know some athletes say they wouldn't accept a gay team all it takes what we heard for years was all it takes is is one teammate in the locker room to cause a problem for the gay teammate. It's going to be a disaster. So you need a hundred percent, a hundred percent acceptance uh, for that gay teammate to be accepted. So I just, I, again, I just, I just think this feeds into this a false narrative that gay athletes aren't going to be accepted in sports. When, I mean, Jim, it's five hundred to zero. Like it's, it's not like it's four hundred and ten to ninety, right? Of the of the of the stories that we've had, it's five hundred to zero. Well, and yeah, and the researcher, his even his research is incomplete. A lot of what he says is true. There is a lot of discomfort. Clearly, there is nobody out in pro sports, so there's still something going on in sports that <clears throat> makes it less um, tenable for people to feel they can come out. But then you look at the reality when people have come out, and it has been, I mean, we run, it's total acceptance. And I think that then that, that the researcher is... Is, is basically started with a conclusion that he's trying to then build up his research to prove that conclusion, as opposed to doing, you know, hey, there's, this is a complicated issue. And in some ways, it is a complicated issue. We say, yeah, it would be accepted. Then, then someone throws back, well, how come no one does it? And then it's like, uh, okay, well, that's a, a fair point. There, is, there are still obstacles. And I still think the biggest obstacle, and there was a really actually quite good, very long piece on the Huffington Post about – I don't know if you saw the one about basically internalized homophobia in men and how, you know, how lonely a lot of gay men still are. And, you know, they use data, even though they're comfortable coming out. And it's very detailed. But one of the things it talked about was the stresses of coming out of the closet and how that is such an internal thing and not an external thing. It's all about you. I feel this way or I know I will be rejected. And the reality is these guys come out and it's like, oh, my teammates were all fine with it. And I thought for years they would hate me. And that kind of stigma is hard for people to overcome. So I think the closet itself is a primary reason for me why people don't come out independent of how their teammates would be. Because if you're not comfortable with yourself, you know, you don't want to go take that risk. But I do think researchers that come to one conclusion without looking at all the data could be, 
yeah, this problems exist. However, once you know, out sports, you know, quote us as done hundreds of stories of LGBT athletes coming out, and it's all been positive. So, I mean, is this guy writing something? Is he doing? Is he? Is he got to do this scientifically? Is he trying to get it published? The researcher? Oh no, he already he already published it. Um, you know, he this is. I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago. It's essentially, his his study was about how um, the the how important allies are, and and he created this ally oh, yeah. scale, okay. which you you can you can determine whether you can determine how strong of an ally you are in sports by the scale that he's created. And he and I engaged in this conversation, some of it on Twitter, some of it in direct messaging, just. You know, I tried to explain to him that one, allies are not the answer to, to ending homophobia in sports, and two, uh, why don't you why don't you look into if this is like what the real issues are, and and that acceptance is not the real issue here. But you know, he just keeps he just keeps pointing to you know the study that that came out like last year that said you know, whatever seventy percent of gay athletes have heard homophobic slurs. <laughs> I think it was the Australian I'm, I'm study. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I, well, it was Australia, but it included U.S. and Ireland and U.K. It was all across. It was all, they studied all around the world. I'm a, I'm a high school football official. I, I hear in college, I hear this stuff. I, I've been called slurs. That doesn't mean that these people uh, hate me and reject me and don't think I should be a part of sports. It means they're <laughs> it means they're pissed off, right? And that's the go-to word. So I don't I, I don't know. It's just it's just it's frustrating. And I I have started to try to reach out to a couple academics I know to do a real study to really try to see how accepted gay athletes really are when they come out. Not, not in some vacuum before they come out, what is the team atmosphere, which is what keeps being studied, but when they come out, are they accepted? Because that is where the real power is for these athletes, being able to tell them, yeah, 97% of athletes in high school who've come out, according to this study, have been accepted by their teammates, or at least the majority of their teammates and their coaches. That, that's what I want to see, not asking some Texas football recruits what they think of having a gay or, or trans person. By the way, you, <laughs> just a, as an editorial note, change the headline of that story you wrote about the Texas recruits, because it says well, are split with having gay teammates, but I, I think uh, that yeah, question I should, really, yeah, it should say gay or trans. Yeah, that was that was just an oversight at twelve thirty in the morning. <clears throat> uh, that was my first headline. I, I, I had not I just changed it. You. I I I I don't blame you. So, well, anyhow, I you know I just again I just question the 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 I, I don't know what what the right word is, but I just question whether whether this the, these these are the right questions we should be asking. And I just thought it was interesting that last week Jamel Hill kind of took it on too on. On the six, um, there was she, she. She said the same thing. Like this question is so many years past uh, the, the relevant question. I guess I don't mind it as much, but I do wish it was done in a context where they're, well, they're allowed for some follow up and discussion. Because just a rapid fire would never ask that in a rapid fire thing. You know, where I have ten seconds with a guy and you get a yes or no answer. Because I think that's going to give you a invalid one. I think you want to do it where you have the chance to sort of explore the answer even if that's the question you ask then you could follow it up enough to maybe you get a more nuanced picture of it and i do think that's possible i just you know and so i applaud the guy trying to be a little different with his survey i just think it was not the right question to ask in that when you probably literally had these guys you know for a, mi- a couple of minutes to ask them 16 questions 
and you want an answer yeah. immediately. So, yeah, that, you know, you're going to get people that just might freeze up and say, I'm not sure, I don't know. And so um, I still want to hear from straight out, straight athletes because they're always going to be a majority in a locker room, even if every gay person came out. So I want to hear their views, but I'd like to hear them in a more – where they have a chance to expound on it and, and talk like we've had other people talk about it. You know, having gay brothers, gay relatives, or, you know, something like that, where it gives them a little more sense of, you know, you've had some people, you've, you've talked some people, some of these events where some people were great because you had a couple minutes to delve into it, and you got yeah. a, an answer that was a lot better than a quick yes or no. The, those have been the most insightful things when I talked to Javon Kurz and, and Amon Green and, 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 and Kurt Warner and really asked a follow-up question and asked again and asked a quen- again and, and didn't just take a, a, um, a couple-word answer to my first question as, as the answer. It's, and, and you start learning about their background and their families, and, and you start understanding. That's, that's, that's when I really started to, to learn that sports has changed, when I started realizing how many of these people knew gay people, either in their lives or their mom's best friend growing up was gay or their wife, their wife's best friend was a gay gay guy, or, I mean, or, or they had played with a gay guy, a gay kid in high school. I mean, that, that's when I started opening my eyes. Like, wow, they are more exposed to this than I thought they were, and 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 I think that's you know that, again it goes back to me wanting that those kinds of questions to be asked a little bit more because then you really start to understand how how accepting these people are and why they are. Well, that's why I thought what Joe Thomas told Jeremy was here, here's a guy who's been in the league for more than 10 years, and he was able to tra- trace the trajectory of how it was more homophobic 10 years ago than it is now. And that kind of person who has that awareness to sort of pay attention to that, to me, is a valuable insight. And I do think it dovetails with what we believe, that it has gotten better. It's not perfect, clearly, but anyone who tries to claim – there are a lot of people who are still trying to claim that it is impossible. Um, you know, it won't happen. Um, it's like – and I wonder how many of them is kind of hoping it because then it could prove that the, their victimization of idea is correct. Because, see, I told you, it wouldn't be, they wouldn't be accepted. And even Michael Sam was accepted. Whether or not he – you know, why he's not a team, I think, ultimately has to do with he wasn't good enough. That's my opinion, but – the Rams clearly accepted Michael Salmon. They accept him. He was a regular teammate. They didn't treat him any differently. He wasn't given special privileges because he was the gay guy. He was treated just like every other rookie on a team is and was given a fair chance to make the team. And no one has ever disputed that fact, and that was a real-life example we had. Well, I think Michael was good enough to be in the NFL and, uh, and, and should have been in the NFL, but what we definitely agree on is that he was well, yeah, the separate, I mean, we can get into that room. issue separately, but I think that yeah, you can't, no one can deny that the well, Rams gave him a fair shot and he wasn't, you know, discriminated against or something like that by the Rams once he was on their team. Yes, I, I think the, the Rams did not discriminate against him. The, 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 the players, I mean, a couple of them took him under his um, that they, they went They went out of their way to uh, to try to, to help him improve, and I, this, no disparagement against the Rams. It's, uh, the, why Michael's not in the league is a whole other conversation. We don't need to get into right now. Correct. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, also wanted to hit on today. Uh, speaking of the language and the power of language, Puto is back, Jim. It, it, it just, it just, I guess it's not back. It just hasn't gone away. 
this anti-gay chant that is, whether people want to believe it or not, it is a, it is a, a slur used against gay men. It, it translates directly to male prostitute, and it is used to ridicule men uh, saying that they are they have sex with other men and that you are to be ridiculed for that. They're not they're they're not saying that straight. You're not calling people straight and ridiculing from that. They're they're calling these people male prostitutes, gay male prostitutes, and using that to ridicule them. Whether you want to believe it or not, this is a homophobic slur. FIFA has said it's a homophobic slur. Activists in, in Mexico have said it's a homophobic slur. Linguists have said it's a homophobic slur. It's a homophobic slur. Period. And it showed up at the Atlanta United's very first Major League Soccer match, very first Major League Soccer match ever. The team, the club was only formed a few years ago, and now they're in Major League Soccer. Uh, it, 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 was, it was in the stadium um, being chanted by a bunch of fans over the weekend, and a bunch of other fans were tweeting that they were disgusted by it and that it was unfortunately damaging what was otherwise a beautiful night for, the, for their first ever match. What was what was good is that, well, I I, I just say good or bad. Uh, it took it took the Atlanta United a couple of days to, to to say something about it. They didn't they didn't say anything about it when it happened. Uh, it took some reporters to ask some questions about it, and, and and but ultimately they did tell us that they are going to remove people who uh, use the slur. That they're training people to identify uh, the slur and 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 how to identify who's using it. Is this enough, Jim? Is is starting to remove people from stadiums as they chant these things? Is that going to be enough to finally curtail this chant? Well, I have to say, I was I saw the story. I'm going to start reading to write it, and I said, Oh God, I got to write about this. And then I looked and said, Oh, Sid wrote about it. And I wanted to send you a bouquet of roses because it's like this thing came back again. It is. Yeah, I do think they have to start kicking people out. I'm not sure if it will be, quote-unquote, enough, but it's going to send a message that this kind of thing is not tolerated. It's going to get more attention to why it should not be tolerated. But, yeah, if you have people, you know, you have a terms of service if you're a fan and there are things you can't shout, abusive, discriminatory, you know, vulgar things, you will get removed, and you get removed for other types of language. So if you're doing that, yeah, absolutely. And to me, it's a first step. I'm not sure, you know, you may wind up the MLS, may have to start fining teams or, or something like that. But the idea that this is it started in, in, you know, in, in mostly in Mexico, some other Spanish-speaking countries, and it's done when the, when the other goalie does a free kick, it is just, it's, 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 it's homophobic and insulting. And we had, for the first people to write about this years ago, and we had a professor at Penn State who was born and raised in Mexico who wrote, to me, the single best piece on it, and I keep linking to it every time I write about it that you know he said it's like trying to say the confederate flag is not racist it's just you know it's it's a dodge for people to say it's not homophobic but these teams have to do something because they are they have these they have these terms of service and you have gay people in the stands maybe on the field and you don't want to hear that so you know you can't legislate against intolerance and idiocy 100% but I do think starting to kick people out We'll we'll send a message, and then people may decide: Do I want to be, you know, a tough guy and keep chanting this, and then get myself kicked out? And it's also going to maybe let more people aware of the issue who aren't aware of it. Well, well it, I think people in soccer are pretty aware of it, but and 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 it hits but a lot the of NFL, fans may not be. Maybe but, it might be a lot of Atlanta United yeah. fans who have no clue what this is even about. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. A lot of them, a lot of them still, still don't know um, what it is. Cause um, yeah, well, again, I think that Atlanta net is taking an important first step. I want major league soccer to create a policy that this is a league wide policy. You, 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 we are, we are asking all the teams to train this, the stadia staff, how to identify this, how to identify the people and how to remove them immediately if they start these chants. Because again, if 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 it was a if it was a chant that was sexist or racist in nature, we wouldn't even be talking about this anymore. Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. This would have been stamped out a long time ago. And again, people try to confuse it, saying it's a slur. It's just a it's a term for uh, you know such and such. No, no, it, it, it it's it's a slur. <laughs> so um, so again, the United are doing the right thing, and hopefully, Major League Soccer. Uh, will follow suit. It'll be interesting, though. Uh, FIFA has levied fines against various countries for having this slur show up in FIFA matches. Um, uh, in Mexico's, uh, Mexico has appealed, so I haven't heard the ruling yet. It's going to back down, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And be more original. Why? Why be derivative? Find the original church <laughs> uh, chant that doesn't insult anybody. Yeah, well, you know, like apparently this is a cultural thing, and when people start saying, oh, well, it's my culture, then somehow they think that's some, some great defense, as though racism and sexism, if rooted in culture, are just fine. Uh, but that's all the time we have this week. I'm sure we'll be back next week as Jim and I have the TV on, uh, watching Kentucky and UCLA get upset in the first round. Uh, but either way, we, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>